Well, you've got an idea for a business, the store of your dreams. There's just one thing to figure out, everything. That's why Shopify's all-in-one commerce platform makes it easy to sell online, in person, and everywhere else. Sell on social media, source products with an app to get that first sale feeling. It's the only solution that gives you everything you need to sell everywhere you want. So when you're ready to bring your idea to life, power it up with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash listen. Ash back with you here on Dayton's ESPN radio station, 1410 Wing AM. Off and rolling here on a Tuesday. Thursday night football. We had the Browns on Thursday night football last week. It was fun watching my team kick Kevin's team's ass. Whoa. Pretty fun, actually. Whoa. It's even more fun. You're intoxicated on a beach in Pennsylvania. <laughs> it Something wasn't fun more. when I was intoxicated <laughs> at a pool party oh, yeah. in Arizona. <laughs> Look at us, just having fun, you know, not in the city of Dayton. How about that, you know? <laughs> <laughs> but uh, another big Thursday night football matchup coming up here on Thursday night. The Cincinnati Bengals welcoming in the Miami Dolphins. The Dolphins 3-0. The Bengals won in two two odd records to start the season for both teams, who I think coming in, when you look at the fact that the Dolphins had the Bills and the Ravens in two of the first three matchups, I don't think we anticipated them to be 3-0, and but here they are. But uh, let's bring on our next guest, ESPN Radio's Mr. Jason Fitz. Jason, welcome in, sir. How are you? Man, I just want to know what this thing you keep talking about—a win. I've never, I, I've never experienced. Oh, that's I, right. I, I don't yes. know what that's like. So, yeah, I've got a Victory Monday shirt sitting in my closet. Can't wait to wear it next year. Gonna be real, real fun. What is wrong with the Raiders? Uh, you know, not any one thing. I think what we're finding out, and this applies to everybody, is uh, the AFC was supposed to be incredible, and instead, right now. There's a bunch of okay in the AFC, and nobody's playing with the continuity we expected. So in the Raiders' example, I mean, you've got you know, three different games that were lost three different ways where each game a different star essentially didn't show up. So, you know, there's no one easy solution to that, but I don't think they're necessarily as bad as the 0-3 record shows. But then you've got a Denver team that, you know, I don't think is any good at all, and they're sitting at 2-1. and one. So, <laughs> you know, it just it shows you that, Nothing is predictable. I mean, if you look at, you were just mentioning the Bengals. They're one and two. And then you look at those two losses and say, what in the heck? How did you lose? Like, how did you even get into those situations? So I think the Bengals are going to turn out to be just fine. It's just right now a lot of AFC teams that are playing below what their capability are. You talked about the Denver Broncos and everything that's going on between letting Russ cook and Nathaniel Hackett and his time management. Can the Broncos fix their offensive woes? Because there's nothing wrong with the defense, but it seems like there's a ton wrong with that offense. Yeah, it feels to me like we're letting a chef cook that maybe he's a little past his prime, like he's had his best meals behind him. It, it, it doesn't look good at all. And, you know, there's just no continuity. There's no identity. There's no, it feels like game plan sometimes. Uh, the Broncos feel like they're wildly in over their head. And I keep thinking about conversations I have with people around Seattle that would tell you that Russ uh, was, adamant that things needed to be done a certain way and the Seahawks continually said no and now he's somewhere where he has that voice and that power over a head coach that seems to be really overwhelmed and I don't know that it's the best idea to let Russ have that influence not just on the field but even off the field so I don't think anything fixes the Broncos easily. Again, they're 2-1 but they're frauds at this point at 2-1. I don't think they're, they're a good football team at all. 
So I had a chance to see the Rams and Cardinals live in person. And Kyler Murray in that offense just seems so frantic. And it seems like the only way they can move the ball is in the two-minute drill. What is going on with the Cardinals? Will the Cardinals regret giving Kyler Murray that extension? Will they regret keeping the coaching staff and GM in place? What's going on with the Cards? Yeah, yes, and yes. And I think part of that comes down to Cliff Kingsbury is going to go long before Kyler Murray does, but uh, that, there's no easy answer. I mean, the, the Cardinals get one win, and they get it in the form of a, a meltdown by the Raiders where Kyler Murray essentially ran around until there was no more running to be done and made some miraculous plays. But that's not the way you run offense right. in the NFL. Like You can't just play that way every week and expect to win. I, there, There is no... Uh, guys are having a hard time getting open. They're not making quick reads. Play design just seems really predictable. I, the, the Cardinals are not a threat at all to the NFC right mm. now. And, and if you gave Kyler Murray that kind of money, you better believe you think he can play. If he can't, coach is going to be the first one to go. Jason, a very important question here. Your team's 0-3. What is the uh, drink that you drink your sorrows away with, and what's the drink that you use when you're celebrating a win? What's the drink? Do you have it on tap, ready to go for when you get your first win, and what's the drink that you've been uh, just drowning your sorrows in over the last three weeks? So, you know, usually on social media I post this, like, yes. fit sips, where I have some, like, woods and whiskey, right? And, you know, I ran out of the woods and whiskey, and so uh, then I, I suddenly I was I was going with whatever I could get my hands off by the end of, uh, by the end of week two, and then... Yeah, on Sunday, true story, I finished my shows at about 1 a.m. on Saturday, decided last second I was going to book a flight. I flew to Nashville. I Ubered. I walked into the stadium. A buddy got me tickets, and uh, it was so stinking hot in that stadium while I was watching the Raiders get just absolutely destroyed. I thought I was going to get tanked. Instead, I walked up to the concourse level at halftime. I ordered six waters, and I chugged them, and I still felt like death. Like It was, it was well over 100 degrees in the lower bowl of that stadium. It was suffocatingly hot. One of my buddies brought a beer, and I was like, you want me to drink a lukewarm beer while I watch my favorite team lose? No, I'm out. So I didn't even get to have the drinks I wanted on Sunday. So uh, we'll see. I'm going to have to rethink everything. Maybe I need to go to Clear Liquor. Maybe that's. Maybe that's the solution that will get this thing turned around. Yeah. Jason, the AFC West, of course, we thought was the best division coming in. And I think when it's all said and done, I think as teams start to improve as the season goes on, as you alluded to, I still think that is going to be the best division when it's all said and done. But right now, the AFC North is the one I'm kind of leaning on, mainly just because the fact that the Bengals, even though they're one and two, I'm confident that they're 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 fine. They're they're, they're going to be fine. The Ravens look like the Ravens. The Browns look better, even though they do have a two and one record. They lost to the freaking Jets, but I'm surprised at how efficient they look offensively. I thought they would lose games because of their offense. Their one loss is come because of their defense and special teams, of course. Um, the AFC North versus the AFC West. How are you feeling about the comparison of those two right now? The North is clearly better right now, and I'm not as optimistic it's going to get better in the West. I mean, the the Chargers, the one thing that kills the Chargers every year is the injury bug, and you really think this is the year they'll figure it out, and then they lose their all-pro left tackle for the season. Uh, They're battling injuries all over the place. Justin Herbert is going to be battling this rib issue. I thought it was really interesting on Sunday Countdown. Matt Hasselbeck talked pretty openly about the fact that he he had the same injury uh, when he played, and he got the same ejection, and to this day he regrets it because all season his body broke down on him. I, I mm. don't know that Justin Herbert is going to be able to handle what's happening to him every single week. The, the Raiders look uh, like it's going to be very easy if the Raiders can't reel off, uh, reel off a couple of wins here. They're going to start to fall apart, uh, and I don't think the Broncos are any good. The Ravens are a Super Bowl-caliber football team. The Browns are getting much better play from Jacoby Brissett than anybody yes. expected. 
And as a result, they are right in the thick of things. Like, we were just looking around saying, could the Browns even be mediocre? And now instead you're going to look at it and say, wow, the Browns are going to be in a real position. I still believe in the Bengals. I don't believe in the Steelers' offense. But I do believe in the Steelers' defense more weeks than not, even through injuries. So I think the North right now is, is poised to be the best division in all of football, sure. ESPN Radio's Jason Fitz with us. Jason, before we transition over to college football, last question in the NFL. Thursday night football, the Dolphins and the Bengals, as we talked about, no one expected the Bengals to be 1-2. and two, uh, and No one expected the Dolphins to be 3-0, and oh, especially with the fact that two of their first three games happened to be against the, the Ravens and the Bills. But that's where we're at. So I said that it's not often that you look at a Thursday night football matchup in September and say that's a huge game, but I think it's a huge game that'll have an impact on the AFC playoff picture when it's all said and done, because a 4-0 start for the Dolphins is ginormous for them, especially because they're going to be battling it out with the, the Bills for that division. And then if the if the Bengals lose a 1-3 and start in a division that should have been theirs, or at least them duking it out with the Ravens, now they're opening the door for the Browns to have more of a shot than we thought coming in with the suspension of Deshaun being out for 11 games. There's a lot on the line on this Thursday night football game, and I don't think that's ever been said in the history of Thursday night football, especially in September. <laughs> yeah, you're right, and you think about what this game means for head-to-head for the wild card, too, because these are two teams that got to think about not just the division, but the what if, if you don't win your division. You know, I, I think the Ravens and, and the Bills are, are two teams that are looking around saying we want to be the number one seed, but the Dolphins, I mean, they, they were bad for three quarters against the Ravens, and then they explode, and then they get a, a Bills team that I thought even through injury would be better with the pass rush than they weren't, so I think the Bengals, their their backs are far more against the wall right here. They've got to come out and really come out with some level of assertiveness, which, by the way, is hard to do on Thursday night football. Bodies aren't recovered. Like, hit the under every single time, it feels mm-hmm. like, on these Thursday night games. Like, offense is tough to come by. So you got to get your body refreshed and recharged quickly. Otherwise, you're going to be up the creek. And there's a lot of pressure on the Bengals to win this game. You can't drop to one and three and feel good about where you're going to be in, a, in this wild card battle for everybody. I, I mean, same thing that I would say about the Raiders, even with the big win, they'd be one and three. Like, you are now in the situation this early where you're already looking around asking for other teams to start losing games to get back in the contention. That's not where you want to be in September. All right. College football, um, Ohio State, Wisconsin. There's a lot of big games over the weekend, and of course, we eat, breathe, and uh, sleep Ohio State football over here. We were expecting uh, Ohio State winning wasn't the surprise, but damn, Jason, they were just absolutely demolishing Wisconsin four minutes into this ball game. I said it's crazy that uh, you know, for one, Ohio State's gotten better each week as most teams do, but. Was Arkansas State provided more of a challenge against the Buckeyes than Wisconsin did? Your takeaways from that, because I know uh, for me, I'm looking at how dominating uh, you know their offense is right now. That's, uh, you can make an argument about them being the number one team in the country. The defense isn't as good as Alabama's, and the defense isn't as good as Georgia's, but it's good enough to close the gap with how dominant the offense is for Ohio State. I think they look the most impressive this past weekend. Uh, what about you? Yeah. I mean, if I had a vote in the AP poll, I mean, I would have Georgia number one, um, but I would have Ohio State number two. And and I think, you know, to the point that you just made, the game was too big for Wisconsin. And Wisconsin, like, you knew that they were going to have to get a little momentum early on, and they just looked slow. And when you've got Ohio State coming out looking faster, hitting harder, punching you in the mouth, and you can't punch back, you know it's going to be a long day. And to have done that, Yet again, without Jackson Smith and Jigba, I think it's truly significant. Like, I know Marvin Harrison Jr. is making all the headlines for having the, the Apple Watch and the <laughs> Louis Vuitton shoes. 
But, like, he should also be making headlines for the fact that my guy's making himself money right now on the field every single second. And you know, I, was, I was talking to some college football people earlier today on a little panel, and I said, I, I don't know that we necessarily stop the, the, the machine long enough to sit back and appreciate what Ryan Day's built at Ohio State this quickly. I mean, it's just there was never a step back. There was, if anything, a step forward, and their offense looks as finely tuned as any offense in the country right now at the highest possible level. I love the athleticism of the defensive side of ball of Georgia, but I'm not sure. Like, I feel like right now we are on a collision course for Georgia-Ohio State in the national championship game, and I don't know that anybody can slow Ohio State down when they're playing the way they can play. You know, we're going to go out to the West Coast for the Pac-12, soon to be in the Big Ten with USC. I was very impressed by their win at Oregon State this weekend, 17-14. to They weren't clicking on all cylinders like they had been all season, putting up 40-plus points against everybody else, wasn't having just dominating offensive performance, but their defense came to play, and they showed up and won in the fourth quarter. I think this win for USC can propel them into a big-time matchup in about two or three weeks versus Utah that's going to be a primetime matchup with game day in town. Yeah, and that's like the only matchup left, right? Like USC doesn't have anything left on their schedule that should be a challenge other than Utah, so they got to be they got to be ready for it. they got to come out. They've got to play better offensively. You're right. It was the most complete game they've played in some ways, though. Their defense was actually – really strong in that game and Mm -hmm. there's a big hole at the four like for me y'all like at this point ohio state georgia alabama clearly the top three teams in whatever order you want to put them in then there's like a moat there's a whole like ocean between there and whoever you want to put at four and nobody's really stepping up to grab it so this is why we needed 12 teams by the way (laughs) yeah yeah because what we really want is all the rest of these just bums to get their butt kicked but yes uh, like it's funny to me because Ohio State has a real shot at, at locking themselves in at four just by doing their jobs. Like if they just go out and play the way we know they can play, they're going to find themselves in the four seed no matter what. All they have to do is win the easy that's in front of them and get ready for Utah. Utah is a better football team than anybody wants to give them credit for after the week one loss to Florida. I think they've sort of gotten that thing right. But USC has a real opportunity and if Lincoln Riley goes to the playoffs in his first year, between that and name image likeness, USC is going to just blow up the recruiting world. A scenario, sorry, real quick, just because I don't know if you're going to move on from it real quick. Uh, so, Jason, we've seen two, SC, or I'm sorry, we've seen multiple SEC teams get into the playoff at one time. That's the only conference that's been able to do that. One scenario I could see playing out, as you've alluded to, is how, I, yeah, the, the gap between one, two, three, and four, obviously, or the groups of one, two, and three, and then versus the four. You know, if Michigan just continues steamrolling teams up to the point where they play Ohio State, as long as Ohio State or Michigan don't get blown out, I mean, could we see a potential Ohio State, Michigan, Alabama, Georgia playoff? We've never seen it come to that. The one reason that we've been able to see Alabama and Georgia make the playoff together is because they only run into each other come SEC championship time, which means it's easier to forgive the team that loses the SEC title game versus the final game of the regular season. But your thoughts on the potential of that, that would be something that's interesting as well. Yeah, I think there's a real shot we get that. And it's all going to depend on whether Alabama can hold up their end of the bargain because to your point, Michigan should be able to at least give Ohio State a game. If Michigan can't give Ohio State a game, then we're going to have a lot of questions about whether or not it was the right decision to change quarterbacks for Michigan, right? Like, experience matters in these big matchups. So, Michigan, especially the way Corum is running the football right now, uh, Michigan should be able to put themselves in a situation where all they have to do is keep it close to Ohio State 
and they'll both make a playoff. My fear is that Ohio State is going to, because of how much I believe in their offense, Ohio State's just going to turn around and, and run them by 40, and then they're not in the conversation. If that doesn't happen, then yeah. I mean, and, and look, I've said this a million times ever since we've ever talked. To me, it's very simple. I want the four best teams. I don't care if they all come from one conference. So if you want to give me Ohio State, Michigan, Georgia, Alabama, I'm all in for that. And I don't care who gets who and who plays in what round, four best. And right now, you know, Michigan's got a real stake uh, to claim for that that fourth spot. I wonder if the committee would just try and sneak in a USC just so they don't end up with two and two. They don't want to polarize the rest of the country. But, man, I love the thought of two and two. I just want the best. This week, college football, you got NC State at Clemson. Clemson coming off an overtime victory over Wake Forest. I know everybody hates the ACC, but they've had a lot of compelling games this season so far. Florida State with the win over LSU and everything like that. And then last week with Clemson over Wake. My prediction was that NC State was going to win the ACC championship this this year. What's your prediction on this game with NC State and Clemson? Yeah, see, this is a really important game because I don't think, even though everybody kept talking about the record numbers that D.J. Uyunglele put up last week, it took overtime in a wild fourth quarter for that to happen. I, I think we've really overhyped the way he played in that game. I don't, I don't think it was particularly good. Now, NC State didn't play well week one against East Carolina and needed sort of a miracle win. They haven't played much since, but they've looked good doing it. This is one of those games that, like, in my mind, NC State has to win. Right. And, and if you're ever going to take the next step as a program, you've got to ask yourself, if not now, then when? Because, you know, Clemson's got a backup quarterback that everybody thinks is going to be lights out. Granted, we thought the same with DJ. Uh, I think their offense looks a little susceptible right now. Their defense at times looks susceptible. Sam Hartman carved them mm-hmm. up last week for Wake. So I, I think Clemson is susceptible right now. So, uh, you know, I thought my, my pick at the, before the season – was that Clemson would write the ship and the DJ would play well enough they would win the ACC. I don't feel great about that pick. I like NC State in this game, and I think it's going to be high time that we have to start acknowledging Clemson with the loss of not just Trevor Lawrence, but also both of their coordinators. They're in a little bit of a tiny rebuild mode, if that's possible, and that's easier said than done. Not every coach can just turn things around every single year like Saban does. Hey, real quick, uh, I don't know if you remember last year you upset one of our listeners, Mr. Shaw. <laughs> Uh, but uh, he said you have a BS take, by the Uh-oh. way. He's dropping words I'm not even allowed to say. You have him fired up. He says, oh, please, when you talk about Cade McNamara, of course, uh, he says, oh, please, that is such a BS take. Cade is hurt. He couldn't even play right now. He may be done for the season. Such trash. Man, Jason, look at you coming in and yeah. stirring up Shaw, which is not very hard to do, by the way. <laughs> yeah, Shaw, first and foremost, Relax. You know, this is the thing I got to remind. Like, relax. Uh, I don't. I don't care enough about Michigan to hate them. So, whatever you think is just not there for me. Remember, I don't like or dislike any college football program. I like chaos. That's the thing. Like last time I checked, Juilliard didn't have a uh, didn't have a football team. So I don't have a vest that UNLV did growing <laughs> up. But we all know they're not any good. So, like, it's not like I'm sitting here rooting for or against anyone. I, I can tell you this. The, the number one thing I try to do is talk to smart people around me. And we got a bunch of them at, at ESPN and at the Big Ten that I've talked to uh, at the Big Ten Network. And when I talk to every single person about this quarterback battle before it was even decided, everybody has said the same thing. McCarthy's a better athlete. Uh, McNamara is the more reliable quarterback in big situations. I don't think that's them. 
wild hot take, and you may not like it, but, you know, just get out of your feelings and understand that at the end of the day, at some level, you have a quarterback last year that broke through the window, the glass ceiling that everybody likes to talk about for Michigan, and now he's sitting on the bench, and that is always going to be a roll of the dice. I don't care what you think. All right. Well, there you go. That's uh, to basically to sum up, Shaw, get out of your feelings. <laughs> yeah. Basically, I mean, at the end of the day, just get out of your feelings. ESPN Radio's Jason Fitz. He's the man. Appreciate you coming on each and every week, and we'll talk soon. Thank you. Appreciate you guys. I wish I'd been on the boat. Next time, call me. I will take you on the boat next time. I prom- We drove through Tennessee after your Raiders went 0-3, and they had that was the only uh, backup in traffic we had, by the way. So there you go. Oh. <laughs> uh, 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 thanks for the reminder. Appreciate you guys. Take care, man. Peace. Jason Fitz, ESPN Radio. Good stuff there. Appreciate him. Uh, oh, Sh- I mean, Shaw responded. I'm just Uh-oh. saying. It was a trash take. Do your job and look into the fact that Kate is hurt and possibly be done for the year. I'm not in my feel. I think you're in your feelings, Shaw. I think you're in your feelings. A little bit. And I don't think he was talking about, I mean, he, he's talking about the, never mind. You know what? I'm going to do what Shaw should do. Just get out of your feelings. It's all good. Relax. ESPN Hold Radio your Jason brakes. Fit, yes, hold your brakes, Shaw. He says, nope. <laughs> <laughs> all right, good stuff. All right, we'll be right back. 518-1410, that's the number to call in. Don't go anywhere. This is Joe Cordell with the law firm Cordell & Cordell. Divorce can be complicated, especially if...